0: The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Contenders Radio. I am your host, Kevin Inman, and today we're going to be talking about guilt and sin and the Lord's mercy and grace and the Word of God here in Psalm chapter 38. That's where we'll be today, chapter 38 of the Psalms. So this is Psalm 38, and this is a Psalm of David. It says it's for a memorial. That's part of the first verse there in the title, um, but I'm, I'm not sure about you. If you've ever sinned, <laughs> uh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, those scriptures tell us, but but I know in dealing with folks day to day, and even my own life, when I do fall short, uh, which happens sadly, I'm not proud to admit, but we are steeped in sin at birth, and it is, it is a beast that uh, clings to us and holds on to us and seeks to devour us, and that is uh, every single day. That's why I'm so grateful for the fact that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and not of works lest any man boast. And that is, uh, I guess, sort of a paraphrase, if you will, of Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine. Verse 10 continues to tell us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand for us to walk in. And so we're not saved by our works. We're saved to these good works, but oftentimes our sinfulness gets in the way. Now, if you're like me, uh, when you do fall short in sin, uh, hopefully you are brought to repentance by God's Spirit in you, Christ in us the hope of glory, but God's Holy Spirit bringing us to an awareness of our sin. But oftentimes what I've seen in dealing with others, especially young folks, it seems like there is a tremendous amount of guilt. And that's really the focus today as we're talking about about sin and the forgiveness of sin that's available, I would like to really hone in on this ideal of guilt. Now, we probably know inherently, I guess you could say, um, we, we know what guilt is, but let me just define guilt for us here today. Guilt, according to the dictionary, guilt is the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. So it's the fact of having done something. so. We're guilty in that regards, but that's not what we're speaking of here. We're talking about that feeling of guilt that hangs on, that that clings to us um, after uh, we've been made aware of something. So that feeling of having done wrong, that feeling of failure, that feeling uh, um, of having you know fallen short for us as in Christ. Realizing when we fall short of his glorious standard when we sin, but uh, guilt is is something that I think is a common human experience we We fail in an obligation, we give our word and we don't follow through, and therefore we feel guilty guilt is is one of those things that is very dangerous for us to relish in to to walk in and and not to deal with and so today, uh, let me just jump in i i don 't do so well trying to talk about the beginnings of a lot of this stuff. But but what I hope we can do is just jump into God's Word because in God's Word here in Psalm 38, we see uh, this psalm really being, I guess you could say it falls into into three sort of headings, three divisions. The first um, we see describing here in verses one through eight specifically, describing the sufferings from sin. So here is the psalmist talking about sin and the suffering that comes along with the sin. And then the second heading i guess you would see is the the loneliness that that comes forth from that besetting guilt over the sin and then lastly we see the confession of the sin the confession of the sin and and folks this is this is one of those penitential kind of uh um psalms where david is expressing his guilt and then it concludes it brings you to uh repentance and so that is that is good and and in that regards we would thank god for a godly sorrow that comes from him by way of his Holy Spirit in us to convict us of our unrighteousness. But guilt guilt is something guilt is something that's a little different. Guilt is 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 deeper and it's more deadly. And so let's take a take a few moments here and let's just go through a number of these verses. So again, I invite you to Psalm chapter thirty eight. Psalm chapter thirty eight if you would be so kind. And um I want to just kind of make our way through this Psalm. And so we see a number of 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 penalties, I guess, if as you look verse by verse here through this psalm, through Psalm 38, you can see that guilt unresolved leads to all sorts of detrimental things for your life and so, and for my life. In the first one, in fact, let's just read here verse one and two. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath and chasten me not in your burning anger for your arrows have sunk deep into me and your hand is pressed down on me. We see the psalmist here he is crying out to God, asking God, again, to rebuke him not in wrath, but and then to chasten him not in anger, not in the burning anger of God. Uh, David, full aware throughout his life that when he fell short, when he sinned against the holy God, that there were uh, consequences. There was a price to be paid. Now, thankfully, Jesus Christ has paid for the penalty of our sin. And we should all say, praise God, hallelujah, amen. Jesus took on upon himself all of the guilt all of the the due penalty all that was required as payment even for our sin debt and Jesus took that upon himself and became the propitiation for our sins he was the divine satisfaction he alone was able to satisfy the price the penalty uh, the wrath even Uh, Of of the Father, of God the Father And so Jesus became that for us But yet, as David acknowledges There still is a price that we oftentimes have to pay And when we go on uh, with unconfessed sin Guilt has a way of taking root And I'm telling you, I know Christians who know they're forgiven And yet the guilt still holds on And so my friends today, I pray that you would see that guilt brings an internal pain, and therefore we must deal with it. And that's what verse 2 talks about there. Your arrows have sunk deep into me. I don't know about you, but I've been shot with an arrow before. Now, I know this is metaphorically he's speaking here and in, in, in with imagery, okay? But, but I have. I've literally been shot when I was a kid. My friend Shannon, hello, Shannon, uh, out there. But uh, we were playing and shooting at a target, and for whatever reason, The arrow basically kept taking a turn. I don't remember if it was to the left or to the right, but it was not shooting straight, and this went on time after time. But but I decided, hey, I'll go retrieve some of those arrows while you keep shooting at the target. Now, yes, he's aiming way away from me, but for whatever reason, he – Shot again, and it came over, and it got me right in the leg, and you probably don't care about all that, but anyway, uh, I did. I was shot in the leg, and let me just tell you, it hurt. It hurt really good, and uh, um, I pulled it out, and unbeknownst to me, that the the tip had come off inside my leg, and so not only did I have that initial pain, but for the next couple of days, um, I, there is this residual pain because it had sunk so deep when I knocked that thing out of my leg Unbeknownst to me, as I said, the the tip was there. I had to go and have it removed. Uh, I had to went to the ER. In fact, I think's where we wound up going. Uh, anyway, I digress. It's it's it, it's painful, and so here we see these arrows have caused pain, and and just like that physical arrow caused pain uh, for my physical body, for my real leg, God's arrows here as he as his as his um, as his arrows have sunk deep into us here and meaning as he's he's bringing about the conviction for our sin and this guilt uh, but it, there's an internal pain we also see that there's pressure he says your hand is pressed down upon me and sometimes we feel when we're carrying guilt around we feel like there is a weight upon us that there is a, a a a pressure and and that is true according to the psalm god's hand pressing down upon us the Psalmist says. Um, verse three, it goes on to describe more physical elements, uh, physical illness that results from unresolved guilt. He says, "There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. No soundness. There is there is no health in my bones because of my sin." And folks, I don't know about you, but I know, I know for a fact that it, that that sin and the and the burden of the guilt of the sin. Unresolved, It does absolutely affect us physically. It absolutely does. There's a fourth thing in verse 4. He says, for my iniquities are gone over my head. My iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. And so we see this heavy burden of guilt, this heavy burden of, of sin, iniquity. Over, over, it's 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 just so big. It's a heavy, heavy weight upon me. It's too much. He says, and and that is true for all of us. It just continues to worsen as well. Verse five says, "My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly." And and, and that's really where I was going a while ago with that arrowhead still being in my leg when I was a kid. Uh, unbeknownst to us, it was there, and so what was it doing? It was just festering, and and the wound was getting worse. It was not healing, and we finally realized what was going on. But but and and thank God for that. But here, um, the my wounds are are growing foul and they fester because of my folly. Verse six: these worsening, worsening circumstances now uh, continue to feed into a daily sadness. Look at verse six: I'm I'm bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long, and so it's not just. I'm occasionally thinking about this now. Now the guilt is consuming me, and it's all that I'm thinking about. And so these worsening circumstances, this pain, the pressure, the illness, the burden, now there's a daily sadness, and it leads to a sense of weakness. Verse 7. For my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. And and that ideal of no soundness, it's a weakening. There's a there's weakness now that comes upon us. We're weak spiritually, but it also weakens us. Physically as well Leads us to verse 8 The beginning there There's a, a loss of caring I'm benumbed and badly crushed I am benumbed I just. I don't care I'm numb inside I'm dead to what's going on around me And folks that's not a That is not at all a, a good place for us to be That's not a safe place for us to be When we get to a point to where we do not care That is a very dangerous place for us But also for those around us It goes on in verse 8 The second part of verse 8 the psalmist says, David says, I groan because of the agitation of my heart. So he's groaning now. There is inward agitation, and you know, you know what that's like. I'm sure. I, I wish you didn't, but but we allow things to fester, and that's exactly what happens. That that agitation or or that worry now becomes agitation and so not only are we are we worried uh, uh, but 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 we're 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 beginning to get stirred now we're agitated and that's that's worse and it that leads to more problems like verse 10 says the beginning of verse 10 my heart throbs my strength fails me so we this heart throbbing we might we might think uh, uh of 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 heart palpitations we may think of of that sort of thing look at verse 11 Verse 11, my loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. So there's this this ideal of loneliness and isolation, and folks, the longer we go on in sin, we absolutely isolate ourselves. But, but as, as unresolved sin turns into guilt for us Christians over that sin, we're, we're, we have a sense of, of guilt, and it just begins to eat away at us, and, and it does. It leads to an isolation. We feel like there's no one there, that God can't hear us any longer. Uh, we're, we're absolutely not hearing from the Lord in those circumstances. We've isolated ourselves, and, and then that feeling of aloneness just exasperates the whole thing, and it's, it's like a vicious cycle. Verse 12 says, those who seek my life lay snares for me, and those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction. They devise treachery all day long. And so there's this ideal here then of of threats. And so we're isolated, and not only do we feel separated from everyone, but now we begin to look upon everyone else differently. We think people are out to get us. and And friends, folks, this is a bad place for us to be. This guilt must be dealt with. And so we see even in verse 17, uh, for I'm ready to fall and my sorrow is continually before me. So this isolation, the sadness, all of these things, the threats have, have just led to, as it says, to a sorrow, and uh, it's just continually before the psalmist here. And finally, that next verse, verse 18, I confess my iniquity. I'm full of anxiety because of my sin. So he's now, he's, he's acknowledging what's happening. All of these things are causing this anxious feeling. And folks, anxiety is not, 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 not good for us. Anxiety is, 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 is sinful, worry, Sinful, fear, sinful, and so our guilt pushes us in that direction when it should push us, it should drive us to God, and this is the key, friends, as the psalmist said there in verse 18, I confess my iniquity. We must confess, we must go to god he He goes on to say um verse twenty one do not forsake me, O Yahweh, do not forsake me, O Lord, my God, do not be far from me, make haste to help me, O God of my salvation he He turns to the Lord, which is where we should go, and so friends, if I could, just uh, for a few more moments here today, if we could just talk about God's answer for our guilt, when we have that guilt that is beset upon us, and we're 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 leaving it unresolved and we began to we began to see and understand to realize the heavy burden and the the price the heavy price that we're paying now because of that guilt i pray that it would drive us to the lord and that we would firstly acknowledge our sin acknowledge our sin and that's that's what verse 18 is all about in psalm 38 david says for i confess my iniquity which is sin, iniquity, sin, same thing. He says, I confess my sin. And friends, we too need to acknowledge our sin. In Psalm or excuse me, Proverbs chapter twenty-eight, verse thirteen, the first part of that verse says this. It says, He who conceals his transgressions, which again, another word for sin, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. So we have we have to, we must acknowledge our sinfulness. First John, in the book of first John, chapter one, verses five. 6, 7, and 8. The Bible says this, This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and righteous to forgive. That's verse 9, us from and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we admit that we're a sinner, and secondly, we do what verse 9 says. We confess that sin to God, and that's the same thing that the psalmist did in Psalm 38. That's what David did. I confess my iniquity, and we too must do that. So we confess our sins. The Bible tells us that He's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. He's faithful and righteous or just, and He will forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from not some unrighteous, but all unrighteousness. And praise God for that. So we firstly acknowledge our sin by admitting that we are sinful. We admit that we have sinned. We confess then that sin to God. And we we'll name it specifically. We 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 must we must name it specifically. Proverbs 28, 13, the second half of that verse. Remember um, just a moment ago we saw that he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But it continues. It says, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. He who confesses and forsakes his sin will find compassion. And praise the Lord for that. God is merciful and gracious. And so Psalm 51, the Psalm um, this is a beautiful psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had uh, sinned against the Lord with Bathsheba. Um, he sinned against her and her husband as well, but um, and against his wife as well, but, but primarily sinning against God Almighty. In Psalm 51, David says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's verse 1. And, folks, listen, that's how we want God to respond to us, graciously, according to his loving kindness, not according to what we've done, not according to what we deserve, because we deserve his wrath because of our sinfulness. But we want him to respond to us according to his loving kindness, according to his great compassion, In verse 2, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. And so, friends, what a a beautiful passage thereof confession, acknowledging our sins to God. We admit it to ourselves. Yes. Oh man, I've messed up here. I've sinned against my holy God. And we confess it to God, name it, uh, if If we need to and, and and friends listen we need to we need to seek his forgiveness for a Christian, remember, we don't come under judgment for salvation if we're in Christ, we are saved, and there's nothing that will ever change that if we truly belong to Christ, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and so we know that to be true, and so what we're doing when we confess our sins to God, we're seeking that forgiveness, where we're we're trying to reestablish an open, right relationship with the Lord, and so that's what we're to do. First John one nine talked about that, um, and 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 really it goes on. Let me turn back there momentarily. I'm still in Psalm fifty here, so let me get back to the end here, nearly of Scripture. We're studying Revelation at our church on Wednesday nights at Grace Point Eagle Heights. But in 1 John chapter, um, Revelation is the end. That's the whole point of that. Sorry, my, my, I went all the way to the back as I'm turning. You didn't need to know that. But anyway, there you go. Uh, so 1 John uh, chapter 1, again, we see really verse 9 talks about us confessing our sin. And, and this, this thought continues all the way down through um, chapter 2, verse 2. In fact, let me just read that again. First uh, John 1, 9 and following. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to make God into a liar. We, we want to acknowledge that he is right and just and truthful. Verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation. That's that word we talked about earlier. the, The divine satisfaction, the propitiation for our sins. And so, folks, listen. That's who Jesus is. He is that propitiation for our sins and so we confess our sins and for those of us who are in Christ we come to him as as um it, it, just think of it as parental forgiveness we're coming to him asking his forgiveness for those sins not um not in fear of of losing our salvation that's not the that's not the the context at all it's about being right before God and walking in holiness now there are those who might need to seek his i guess we could say his judicial forgiveness I mean, we're we're asking in Christ for Him to forgive us as a parent and child type relationship. But for those who are not in Christ, they're um, outside of His saving grace, outside of His saving mercies. Then they need to come to God in in such a way as to repent and turn, firstly, from their sins. And Romans chapter ten does a great job of of talking about that very thing. Romans chapter ten verses three through ten uh, specifically. And how, how that ends up is this if we confess our with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with a heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. It goes on to say that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if if that's the situation you find yourself in that you're not a Christian, then by all means, my friends, you need to be saved. You need to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that, that Jesus is Lord and that He was raised from the dead by God the Father. You need to turn from your sins and seek out Jesus and seek out his gracious, loving, merciful forgiveness. And and he offers that to us. He offers that indeed. I'm just reminded here in John chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I love the next verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is where all the grace, all the truth comes from. It comes from the Father through the Son to us. And praise God for that. So we acknowledge our sin. We admit our sin. We confess our sins to God. And if we are Christians in Christ, if we are saved ones, called out ones, then as we confess our sins again, remember it's just for that that reaffirming that right relationship, reopening that relationship because not, not because God has moved, but because we have moved and sinned and caused a breakdown in the lines of communication, so to speak, our sin, our sin, separates us from God in that regards, but it can never, if we 're in Christ, our sins will never ultimately separate us from God. But if you're not a Christian, they absolutely will, you are under the wrath of God, and so you must repent of your sin and and come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But here's another thing, before we run out of time, we admit that sin, we acknowledge it, we confess it, but then we ask for forgiveness. And here is, you may think this sounds redundant and, and unnecessary, but folks, listen, we, we see in throughout the scriptures that we are to confess specific sin to the appropriate people, All right. Also, and so Matthew chapter five talks about that very thing. You know, David, this Psalm 51 incident we read uh, earlier, David had sinned and, and he says, I've sinned against you and you only. Now, ultimately, that's the truth. But practically, we know that David had committed his sin with Bathsheba. We know that he committed the sin with her, against her, and against her husband because she was married as well. Then David conspired, remember, to have her husband killed in the line of duty while he was fighting for King David and for Israel, for God. And David should have been there fighting as well, but he was not. He was somewhere he shouldn't have been at a time he shouldn't have been doing what he should not have been doing, and that's a dangerous combination. David also owed it to Bathsheba. He couldn't very well apologize to uh, her husband, because he had had him killed. But, folks, listen, we have the opportunity. We should seek forgiveness from the appropriate people. Now, here, here's another little. Th- friendly reminder, if if there are others who are not involved, there's no reason to tell them. We can get into some some dangerous waters. Just go to the people. If you've wronged someone, if your if your sin, if the guilt for your sin is is concerning someone else, then confess that to them. By all means, confess that. James five, sixteen talks about that. Matthew chapter five, uh, specifically speaks of that. Matthew chapter five, verses twenty three and twenty four. Let's see if memory serves. Let's see how well memory is serving. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. I think it's 23 and 24. Yeah. It says therefore if you have if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar to go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offerings. And so um here, if we've been wronged or we've wronged someone, I mean, the, the ideal would be the same. We need to acknowledge that. We need to confess that and ask for forgiveness. We don't want to blame sh- blame shift. That's another thing we're, we're so quick to do. We do not want to say, well, I did this, but I only did it in response to what, you know, to this event or to what this person did. Friends, that's that's making an excuse. We should just own up to our our part of the sin, our our guilt for the sin, whatever it might be, we own up to it without um, blame shifting without making an excuse, no ifs, no buts, no maybes you know maybe if this would have happened this way, I wouldn't have done this no just own up for what you've done that is true confession and so so ask for forgiveness, ask you know be sp- specific, don't blame shift, acknowledge the hurt and accept the consequences that come remember psalm fifty one David confesses to God, and yet there was still a price to be paid. David did not have to suffer eternally for that sin because he sought forgiveness, but there were consequences in his family uh, as a result of this tragedy. As a result of his sin, um, there was absolutely a consequence to that for him, for his son, for, for um, the rest of the family as well, and so we want to acknowledge we want to accept the consequence and then move forward if we if we 're able to make restitution for something we 've done, if it 's something that we can restore, then we should absolutely restore that. Uh, Matthew or rather Luke fifteen verses eighteen and nineteen talk about that seeking restitution that sort of thing for those involved if we if we 're able to do that, then by all means we should and then finally. We just need to change. We need to, we need to not go back. We need to not go back. And you think, wow, that's, that's kind of uh, obvious. We should stop sinning. We should stop being guilty. Yeah, that's kind of a no-brainer. But it's true. We, we should. And so when we begin to walk through this, acknowledging our sin, admitting it, confessing it to God, asking for forgiveness of those involved, not making excuses or blame shifting, accepting whatever consequences as we seek to try to make restitution. As we're doing those things, we are changing, and then we should just remain that way. We should go forward, not looking back. We should be renewed in the spirit of our mind, as we've talked about previously. Put off the things that are sinful. Put on godly attributes and and whatnot. And and as we as we do this, and especially this idea of changing our thinking, folks, this is huge. And and um, in First Corinthians, I'm reminded of another verse here in First Corinthians chapter. Well, that's not it. It's Second Corinthians chapter seven. Yeah, Second Corinthians chapter seven, verses. 10 and 11 says for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation but the sorrow of the world produces death for behold what earnestness this very thing this godly sorrow has produced in you what vindication of yourselves what indignation what fear what longing what zeal what avenging of wrong and everything you demonstrated yourselves to be innocent in the matter and so what happens is as we begin to truly uh, admit, to confess, to repent, to to uh, seek restitution and forgiveness and all those things, we begin to change. That is the natural result, and so we should remain changed. We should continue to walk in the newness of life. Now, friends, we are out of time, but I want to just encourage you, if you are feeling guilty, I encourage you to make your way through this psalm, through Psalm 38. Make your way looking at what that guilt is doing, and then seek forgiveness. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for
0: listening to today's broadcast of contenders radio with pastor kevin inman for more information on this or other broadcasts please log on to our website contendersradio.com that's contendersradio.com you can also find us on the web at kevininman.org that's kevininman.org there you will find podcast episodes blog posts study helps and more you can also follow us on facebook and twitter thanks again for listening And may God bless
1: you in your pursuit of the truth.